Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Flip Flop Experience Podcast. I am here with Ginny, one of my best friends, my producer, and also a longtime partner in crime. Welcome, Ginny. Hello. Ginny previously joined me on a trip in Italy, and we did a previous episode talking about eating gluten-free and what that was like. And then this summer, she joined me on a yacht trip in Croatia. I sure did, and it was very fun. Jenny has a tendency to love to plan, and (laughs) she might be known for making a lot of spreadsheets and have a reputation as a slight control freak. So whenever I called her about 10 days before the departure for Croatia and said, hey, do you want to join me? Why don't you tell us what that was like? (laughs) Firstly, I think that It was exciting. The idea was exciting, but also a little bit overwhelming. And I didn't have to think about it for too long. I had to call and make sure it was going to work out with my work and with my kids and schedules and all of that. But once I was able to work all that out, which was really in a matter of 24 hours because I didn't have a lot of time to make (laughs) that decision, I felt anxious and overwhelmed, but also super excited. And It was one of those things where people, I would tell people I was about to go on this trip and they were like, you don't seem like you're excited. And I'm like, I am. I'm just nervous. because This is not a a normal thing for me to just drop everything and uh, go across the world in 10 days or less. Would you say you should do it more often? I want to go across the world more often. I would maybe like more than 10 days notice. (laughs) (laughs) You could ask me as many times as you want on 10 days notice. I would still do it. I didn't say I wouldn't do it. I just (laughs) said that anxiety that it gives me was a little stressful. But once I got to the airport, basically, Mm -hmm. and I was like, it's now or never. If I don't have it with me, it's not coming. I was fine. This is happening. Yeah. So I know a lot of people are the travel planners in their circle and their family and their lives. And they kind of wonder, what would it be like to join an adventure that someone else is in control and give up the control? And would they enjoy it? Would it stress them out? You don't typically take relaxed vacations. Even when you do take a vacation, it tends to be Disney with laminated cards and spreadsheets and things. Or even when you came to Italy, it was very planned out. So what would you say the experience is like to just separate from the fact that you had no time to pack and plan? What was it like to just show up and be on such a freeform trip? First of all, not being the planner in and of itself is a vacation for me. I am a mom of two kids. I am the keeper of the calendar, both (laughs) at work and at home. Mm -hmm. Everyone here knows that I have a saying, if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. It doesn't exist. Not having to do that is a nice break. And I don't mind not being the one to plan, but the control freak in me has to know that the person who is planning is better qualified for it and uh, knows more about it than I do. And knows what they're doing. So when we went to Italy, I knew that there's no way I could ever plan a trip to Italy 
the way that you could plan a trip to Italy. I don't have those connections. I don't have that knowledge. I don't have that understand all the nuances. I just was like, oh, I don't know. We're doing whatever Leah says to do. It's on the itinerary. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But there was a clear itinerary. I knew what was happening. There was no anxiety for me over what was going to happen next because I knew it was all planned out. And I just had to be here at this time dressed in this manner, whatever was appropriate. And then... When I asked you, so what's the itinerary for Croatia, when you called me and said, hey, I have the spot open up, you were like, there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and she was like, it's a sailboat, so you just go where it takes you. And sometimes things change because you're at the mercy of the wind and the weather, and it's just about exploring the ocean and relaxing and having a good time. And knowing that helps, right? For someone right. like me who is a control freak, if you're told, like, no, this is relaxed time, it's almost scheduled. And so I was like, okay, then it's mandatory do nothing time. Because you framed it that way, it helped me not have to worry about it so much. And I also knew that you had things planned, meals planned, all that stuff. So it wasn't something I had to think about real hard. I think I usually just straight up refuse to write anything down or put in, commit to anything for those trips because I don't want someone to get attached to the idea and then get disappointed. I do honestly have a an idea of what we're going to do or what I hope to have the schedule be like, but I never want to commit to it and have anyone Google the place and get really excited and then not get to go. So I like to just retain the right to change it at any time. And we definitely had to do that on this trip. The first two days, what I had planned to do did not end up happening. There was a crazy windstorm. And in partnership with my captains, we found somewhere to ride out the storm, somewhere safe and smooth. We didn't have to be in uncomfortable conditions. And we had some great options in the cute town where we ended up. We did. That was actually really fun. I think we stayed in Starigrad for two days. Yep, two nights. And it was this super cute little town. And there was like this pop-up farmer's market. And I bought the prettiest plums I've ever seen in my life. And we shopped and hung out, and it was a good time. Yeah, and it was we lucked into a great spot. You walked five minutes to the left, and there was a resort where you could use their beach and their pool bar. You went 10 minutes to the right, and you had the town. And we went in and had that organic wine dinner where there was no electricity. And so all of those things might not have happened if the windstorm didn't come. But really, I think sailing trips are full of happy accidents. It's hard to make a wrong choice when you're on a yacht in Croatia in beautiful water. The organic wine dinner, it was in Havar. This was a planning thing. So I remember the captain saying, you have to decide mm-hmm. what you want to eat the night before because they essentially put the food in like a very large Dutch oven and bury it under coals and cook it for like 24 hours. I think it was lamb and beef and veggies. Fish. And they cooked it like overnight, like old fashioned campground style. Pekka is the name of the dish. Thank you. Pekka. Yes. Yeah, so they slow cooked. It. Yeah. yeah. Slow-cooked meat and vegetables. I described it as like super fancy elevated pot roast. Yep, pretty much. When I was talking to the people at my table. It was a wine tasting as well. It came with wine pairings. Yes. And I don't drink wine. I have no aversion to drinking, believe me. I just have an aversion to wine and beer and coffee. I don't like any of them. And so when they figured out that I wasn't drinking my wine, that I was like taking a tiny sip and then giving it to my neighbors, they brought me their homemade brandies. Oh, really? I didn't know they did that. Uh, yeah, they got the sour cherry brandy. Oh, yeah. was delicious. But the thing that blew me away was the fig brandy. It was so good. I actually bought two bottles of it and brought it home. I checked my bag, which I hate doing, just for the fig brandy on the way home because I had to bring it home. <laughs> That's funny. I gave one as a gift to our executive producer here, actually. And then I kept one for the holidays because it tastes like Christmas. We also learned a word about going slow in Croatia called fiaka. Oh, yeah. Word? 
So fiaca is a slang term in Croatia that doesn't really have a direct translation in English. For some reason, it seems like a lot of the words related to relaxing <laughs> don't have a translation for Americans, interestingly enough. And it's a particularly relaxed state of mind, and they describe it as the sweetness of doing nothing. So it's not actually like being lazy and doing nothing. It's that forced, intentional taking time to do nothing on purpose. I would say we have a word for that in the South. What would you call it? Piddling. Piddling usually implies leisurely and without and any agenda. Yeah. That's, I, I think it's an exclusively Southern term. I'm sure they might have another term above the Mason-Dixon that they <laughs> use for that. But in, in my family and where I'm from, the word piddling implies that. That's true. I know some of the people on the trip decided to really take Fiaca to heart mm-hmm. and made it the background on their phones. And I saw some people in Italy last week and multiple people still had it as the background on their phone. Yes. And I love that they brought it home with them, the idea of Fiaca. So here's what's interesting to me. Just the marketing brain comes out. Mm-hmm. There was nothing with Fiaca on it to purchase we tried to find merchandise. Something. And I was like, you guys are really missing out. They here. are definitely Honestly, missing out. This is probably part of the problem is they're relaxing and they're not thinking about how they can take <laughs> this and use it to, to market. But I was like, the tourists would like yes. to purchase something with this as a reminder. I have to say that I... As the planner in my family group and obviously in my company, I'm always so surprised that people who are the planner do enjoy my tours because honestly, as the planner, I have a hard time imagining putting myself in their shoes. But I'm surprised by how many people come and say they show up and they just like turn off their brain is what a lot of them say. They're just like, I'm just here. I don't even know what we're supposed to do tomorrow. I'm just going to do whatever you say. But taking a break from all the decision fatigue, I think. I was about to say not having to make another decision is in of itself a luxury and a vacation. Yeah. Not having to decide anything and not having to plan it. As much as I am a planner and I do embrace it and love it and need it for my brain to function properly... Not having to do it is a vaca- is part of the vacation. Yeah, I love that. That's like basically a happy accident that I provide because I I never realized that was something that people wanted. And now I have so many people who say that's one of their favorite things. And I love that that's something that people can not only have a great time and make a good memory, but also really rest in a different way. Yes, definitely. It definitely allows me to turn off that portion of my brain that's always thinking about what is the next step and what are we doing next and what do we need to do the next thing and all of that stuff. When I was married, that was something I always had a conversation with my husband about was like, it doesn't feel like a date if I have to plan it because I have Mm -hmm. to plan so many other things. Now that I've had the opportunity to go on a vacation where somebody else has planned it all, it feels not as exciting to go on one that I planned myself. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's how people get spoiled and they just keep going on trips with me because they're like, oh, once I've realized I don't have to, I'm going to keep not doing it. Yeah. Speaking of um, being single now, I know that's another thing people wonder about on the trips is can you go on a group trip as a single girl or is it awkward? What's it like? So what was your experience with that? I was nervous about that Mm -hmm. because I know that there are a lot of couples that go on these trips and I didn't want to be the odd man out. I'm used to third wheeling it with some of my friends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yourself and your husband included. Yes. I third wheel it with you guys. I third wheel it with other people here. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't really want to feel like a a true third wheel to people that I didn't really know very well. Mm -hmm. And when I got there and realized, first of all, I wasn't the only single person. There were three other single women. And even the couples never made me feel like... 
a third wheel and it just integrated really nicely. And it was nice that there were other people there who were not coupled up. Yeah. I can honestly say I cannot think off the top of my head of any group trip I've ever done where I didn't have some solo women travelers, Mm -hmm. which I love. There's been a couple times recently where there's a, a woman who's taking her very first trip alone and she's so nervous and I love that even the married women or the single women that are on super, they're just cheering them on. They're like, good for you. Good for you for doing it. I've had a lot of women that just say, I'm so tired of just waiting mm-hmm. to have someone to do these things with. Like mm-hmm. just waiting until the right person comes or the person that will actually commit and make time for this. So I'm just going to take this trip for myself. And I feel like definitely after COVID, it's just become a really recurring theme of women, even women who are married, saying like, my husband won't take off work and I'm just tired of waiting. I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to start doing the things I want to do. So I usually have a good handful of women traveling on their own, whether they are single or the traveling singly. And it's always really fun. I, I like to say it's like adult summer camp. So you might come alone, but you don't go home feeling like you're on that trip alone. Even on the Italy trip, I don't think there were any true single women as far Mm -hmm. as like unmarried on that trip, but there was a mother-daughter that were there together. There was a a married woman who was there without her husband Mm -hmm. traveling alone. So like, even though there wasn't any single women on that trip, I still never felt out of place. I think it takes a special personality to be willing to do that. Because of that, Everyone is very personable and gregarious and outgoing or open-minded, open-minded, mm-hmm. I think, and willing to get to know other people. So I think that helps a lot because, listen, by the end of the week, it felt like it feels like we've known each other all of our lives. Right. And it was just such an awkward feeling to be like, yeah, but we met seven days ago. So it was a lifetime ago. Too. <laughs> exactly. I know so much about you and your family. Right. <laughs> We're even in on somebody else's family joke now yes there's they have an aunt who makes a specific face and they were sharing that particular story with us and then it became a joke throughout the whole trip of we all had to make this face for photos for photos i don't know if they're gonna go home and show her or not i I, I doubt it it's not a flattering face (laughs) it's not a cute face it's not a face that you would want to share oh my gosh but yeah so like we somehow got roped into these other people's family joke but Mm -hmm. literally all of the people on the boat are now a part of that yeah weird inside joke and i think that For me, I always feel like I'm winning at my trips whenever people start to mix really well. So when the couples aren't always just sitting down and sitting together or the people that came together only sit by the people they came with. But when people just sit down at dinner wherever and eat happily by whoever, they don't care. That always makes me really happy as like the planner to see the people like melding and mixing together and and forming new relationships and friendships and it not just being about like, oh, I just have to sit by the people I know. Yeah, definitely. Leah's cousin was on the trip. Her name is Krista. She's been on an episode before. And I had not met Krista's husband before, Kevin. Oh, you hadn't? No, I'd never met oh, Kevin. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my gosh. He's a laugh riot. He he's was really so funny. much fun. But also, I just so happened to sit next to Kevin and Krista at dinner one night. They were talking about how they met. And they met online. Mm-hmm. And they were sharing that story with me, which was nice. I, I can tell you that my experience with online dating has not been fruitful. As a matter of fact, it's been the opposite of that. No I'm, beautiful stories at the moment. No, none. <laughs> terrible. Only terrible. But they were sort of like a source of hope, right? Because let me tell you something. I have not, as an adult, sat down and had a conversation with a married couple where it was so obvious how incredibly in love with his wife he was. He's such a sweet husband. Oh, my gosh. I was like, goals? Mm -hmm. Seriously? That's couple's goals right there. She was facing me, talking to him, and I was like, damn, I need somebody to look at me like that. We were so happy when she found him because she deserves to have someone like him, for sure. Even as a single person, even though there were other couples on the trip, spending time with them was fun and interesting and (laughs) inspiring, if not maybe slightly. (laughs) Envy-inducing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
I feel like that conversation happens a lot of my trust people say how did you guys meet and mm-hmm. it's always really interesting sometimes people who you don't expect it have a story that isn't what you thought it would be or they've actually only been married for two years or and they would have mm-hmm. thought they've been together forever so it's always really interesting to get to know people in that kind of way yeah and um, I think Going back to the no schedule thing, there was a lot of things that happened on the trip that wouldn't have happened if we were in a hurry or in a time crunch. So For sure. What was one of your favorite moments? So there were a lot of really fun things, but I think the coolest thing that I didn't expect and that never would have happened had we not decided to stop in this particular cove, our captain, all of a sudden I can think, Max. Max. Our mm-hmm. captain of our boat, his name was Captain Max. It's the same name as my son. I should remember that. <laughs> had said that he had this special spot. And that Mm -hmm. was the day that, like, he sailed ahead, which was a a kind of a unique situation. He sailed ahead of us to go reserve the spot. So everybody else came onto one boat, and he sailed ahead and reserved this little cove. And it was the coolest little cove because it had two beaches. It was like a semicircle, and there were two beaches on each side, and then the center was all just shoreline and water. And there's no room for a lot of boats. Yeah, so we were the only boat in this cove, which was awesome. And... We were kind of exploring and we were off on this one little, the beach on the left <laughs> instead of the beach on the right. We were taking silly pictures over there. We were standing in some some rocks and all of a sudden we looked down and there's an octopus. That's crazy. I know. It was so cool. And we saw it was orange when we first saw it. And then How big was he? His head was probably the size of a softball. Okay. And then he had all of his tentacles. That's so cool. And he was orange when we first saw him, orangey rust colored. And then we looked down and watched him camouflage to match the rocks because he spotted us when we spotted him. Wow. And he went into camouflage mode. And that was so cool. Just as I've never... I. My son actually, is, octopuses have always been his favorite animal, so I oddly know a lot of octopus facts. Yeah. <laughs> Just due to the fact that he's been obsessed with them since he was little. But to watch it change color just right there was yeah, that's just awesome. really neat. Spotting an octopus in the wild is pretty rare anyways. Even for people who scuba dive and stuff, they always think it's really special when they encounter one. So that's really cool. Right. So then it got even cooler, though, because he got a little afraid of us and he went under a rock and we were still standing. It was me and two other girls and we were standing around him in a circle so our feet are in the water and we're only up to like mid-calf waiting him out to see if he'll come out again because it was just so cool to see and all of a sudden this little tentacle slips out from under the rock and it just kind of creeps over to one of the girl's toes and just suctions onto the toe he was just like checking out the situation are these people safe can i come out of here friend friend or foe and he like suction cup to her toe and she's oh my gosh she's like suctioning (laughs) and then that's crazy i don't know if i would freak out or not and then he came out and you know hung out with us for another minute or so before he got spooked and swam off but even just seeing him swim off really fast was cool too because i've never seen them just take off they're fast (laughs) yeah that's really cool we also had a lot of time of just chilling on the boat at night which i also think is fun and interesting on the trips because sometimes you're in a cute town and there's like bars nearby and stuff. But usually we just migrate back to our boat where we can just chill in our PJs and hang out. And you guys had an ongoing game going on. Yes. So firstly, I will say that the reason the boat is such a cool place to hang out is that we had a hostess on our boat. Both boats had a hostess. Karen was on your boat. Vicky was on my boat. They're amazing, and they basically just won't let you do anything. I tried to clear the dishes, and they're like, nope, you're on vacation. They're definitely a hostess with the most. Yeah, they're like bossing you into relaxing, but they're also so much fun. And they happen to also both be amazing cooks. Yeah. So eating on the boat was wonderful because it was like they were just making you these amazing meals and refusing to let you do anything. So it's like being at a restaurant, but more relaxed because you could do it in your PJs. Yeah. 
So spending time on the boat was fun because of the hostesses. Had we not had the hostesses, it would have been more labor intensive, but they really made that part so nice. Credit to Vicky and Karen because they were awesome. Yeah, shout out. Shout out. Vicky even gave me a manicure when the salt water got my nails all dried out. And Karen gave us belly dancing lessons. Oh, that's right. Karen, Vicky did too. Oh, did y'all have belly yeah. dancing lessons I on mean, your boat? I watched, but oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Ours were mandatory for all the girls, and she made all the boys leave. Oh, no. The boys just weren't there when we were doing ours. Mm-hmm. She told all the boys they were not allowed to be around. They had to leave. <laughs> um, so they made being on the boat super fun in and of itself. But, yeah, that was part of why we wanted to be on the boat. Um, but, yeah, my favorite meals. Interestingly, we ate at all these amazing restaurants, and I loved them all, and I wouldn't take any of it back. But some of my favorite meals were the more casual meals where Vicky and Karen cooked, and we just got to hang out. But, yes, after dinner, it got rowdy some nights. We played Definitely. this very interesting game that I could not tell you how to play right now. Who taught the game? I walked up in the middle of a game. So I never knew where it came I from. I joined in the middle of a game. It was on your boat the first time I played it. Yeah. And it was it's called Presidents and Assholes. It's apparently a pretty common college-type card game, but there's a lot of— There were no college-age people. No, but I think it came from someone's yeah. college experience. Okay. I, I think Kevin said he played it a lot in college. Mm. I could not recreate the rules for you right now because, one, when I was told the rules, I was not entirely sober. And the thing is that somebody wins and becomes the president, and they get to make— In the next round, they're the president, and they make all the rules, and somebody, the person who loses is the asshole, and they are essentially the servant. So Mm -hmm. everybody orders the asshole around and says, get me a drink, get me a this, do this, do that. And I was neither ever the president or the asshole. I just stayed right in the middle, which was nice. It's a safe place to be. Yeah, exactly. But it was very fun, and it leads to lots of shenanigans and lots of silliness. I've never played that before, and it was just such a a blast. We ended up playing it several nights because it was so fun. Even sucked the crew in one night. Yes. So the captains played with us one of the nights. The only night I remember them playing with us, um, one of the rules was that you had to do— because the president makes up rules whenever Mm -hmm. they want. And it was like a certain card that you played or a certain move that you made. If you did that, you had to do the Macarena Mm -hmm. after you did it. And I did not know this, but the captain of your boat is like a Macarena enthusiast. <laughs> he was so excited. He was so excited. <laughs> captain Dino. Like, I just, it was really funny. Like, he was so pumped to do the Macarena. I've yeah. never seen anybody so excited. <laughs> Didn't it? And looking at him, he's very serious. He like, is very captain, serious. Captain, you would not think He takes of him. his job very seriously. He does. He's got like resting serious face. Mm-hmm. And to see this guy get so pumped to do the Macarena over and over, too, because <laughs> yeah. you have to do it every time you do this particular. It was really funny. <laughs> And also, they were a little taken aback by my—I am a control freak and I am a planner, but I tend to also be, like, really silly and loud and sometimes inappropriate. And they were surprised. Yeah. (laughs) They're just getting to know the whole you. Yes, exactly. So speaking of your control freakism and packing for this trip, I know we've had a similar camping (laughs) slash packing adventure before many years ago when Jenny said she wanted to go camping for the first time. Let me me caveat to that. I never said I wanted to go camping. I said I would go camping. And we had many disagreements through the process of how exactly is the proper way to prepare for camping. Jenny says that I oversimplify. She did. Let me just say that Leah's come a long way in properly setting expectations for her trips based on this (laughs) camping experience back when we were much, much younger. She was like, we'll just go camping. You throw some stuff in the back of the car. You go. It's fun. Meanwhile, the planner in me is like, what do I need to bring? 
and I've never camped before and we have none of the equipment and none of the stuff. I've never set up a tent. I've never done any of these things. And she's like, oh, it's no big deal. You just do the thing. And I'm like, do the thing. There are so many things. There are so many. What do I pack? What do I do? What do I buy? And then Justin, trying to be helpful, sent me an REI checklist, which this was not an REI kind of camping trip. Glamping There were electric hookups. Mm -hmm. So here I am with this giant REI checklist as if we're going on some kind of trek and thinking, feeling very overwhelmed. And I can tell you, I was in a bad mood. I was not happy. Leah came over to pack the car and I was being unreasonably grumpy. I I fully admit that. I have to commend her. She did much better on her last minute packing for the boat. I did. Um, I've grown. And I did... And was still right. Tell her that you really don't need that much stuff. That's true. That's one thing that people always wonder is, what do you have to bring? And you really just need a few things. You don't get dressed that often. You're in your PJs or your swimsuit 90% of the time. I did struggle with the packing. Leah was actually already, when she called and extended this offer to me of, hey, I have this last minute opening. Do you want to join? She was also on a different trip. Yes. So she was less available than normal to pick her brain about what I should pack. Interestingly, as her producer, I was here for the episode where we talked about sailing and what to expect on a sailing trip. So I at least had that. (laughs) So I referenced the things I learned on the podcast, but I had heard you don't need a lot of actual clothes and all that stuff. But the thing is, I didn't have a lot of the stuff that was appropriate for this kind of trip just because weirdly, I know you would think because this is Texas and it was stupid hot this summer that you would go swimming a lot and you would have a swimsuit, but it becomes so hot that swimming is not refreshing anymore. True. So I didn't even buy a swimsuit this year. And then here comes this trip in September and I don't have a swimsuit. So I'm like running. I Literally what I did was just order all the things, probably 10 times what I needed from Amazon and my favorite stores, had it shipped to the house. Figured out what I needed, and I was like, I'll return the rest when I get home. <laughs> I do that very frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and I still did overpack, for the record. I st- you came home with clean clothes? Not many, to be fair. Just a couple pairs of yoga pants and a dress that I didn't wear. And I had, a, I think, a swim cover-up that I never once broke out Yeah, that I thought I would wear. I always I bring, like, three cute cover-ups and never wear any of them. Yeah. This is not handy. Cause it's you're not a fashion it. show. Yeah. But overall, I did pretty well on the packing. So the the real thing is that Leah had said, don't bring a hard-sided suitcase. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me because I love having a hard-sided suitcase. But the reason you can't bring a hard-sided suitcase is because there's really nowhere to put it. You need something that you can mush and shove into little drawers or crevices or things like that. Ultimately, I might have gotten away with a hard-sided suitcase just because of the way my room was configured. But Mm -hmm. it may have made things more difficult, too. I had to buy it. It makes you have significantly less options, for sure. Um, But I ended up just taking a backpack and a duffel bag, which the duffel bag on wheels that I ordered one because I was like, I'm not hauling this thing. And then on the way home, I checked the duffel bag because I bought that delicious fig brandy. But yes, packing was definitely a source of stress for me just because I felt like I didn't know what I should or shouldn't do. And I've never done a trip like this before. Mm -hmm. I will say because I was so short on time trying to wrap things up at work and trying to wrap things up my kid. I packed the night before, which is not like me at all. And it's I, exactly what I do. Yeah, it's exactly what Leah does. And she's always like, oh, I'm about to gallivant off for 30 days and I haven't started packing yet. And it about gives me a heart attack. That and can sometimes work. If you're someone who can sleep on a plane, I am not. Oh, gosh. We won't get into it, but I have what I call plane narcolepsy. Sure. I can barely stay awake on a plane. I loved having you here on the episode today and I loved having you on the adventure. So hopefully we'll be back another time soon to share a different adventure we've been on together. I will happily go on more adventures just with maybe more than 10 days notice. 
Yeah, we're always testing our limits. Next time it's going to be like four. <laughs> if you would like to follow and learn more about our adventures, you can check me out at Flip Flops and Adventures on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, and the Flip Flop Experience podcast on Facebook. And please subscribe. Thanks and happy adventuring. <laughs>